Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gill here by my freaking self in the studio here in Cincinnati. Mike Renner officially on the COVID reserve list. We'll get to him. He's coming in remote. But today's show, going to preview all of the games, of course, especially dive into which ones have legitimate playoff expectations. And at the back end of the show, listener mailbag, listener voicemails, trivia, and an interview with Washington offensive tackle Jackson Kirkland. Let's get it. You got COVID. You don't care about your teammates. You don't care about this podcast. You're no longer getting an MVP vote. In anything, you're a piece of shit. I know. That's that's the hardest part is not being able to win the MVP now because I got COVID. But, no, I got I got the booster less than a month ago, and now I have it. That's brutal. Pfizer lied to me. Pfizer no, I, it's, it's not been that bad, honestly. I, I saw that if you're a longtime listener of the pod, you know I had it last not this past fall. So you've had it twice fall. now. I had October, the OG COVID, Alpha. Before it was yeah, cool. I had Alpha. <laughs> um, you were one of the first ones in the office to get it, too. Yeah. You were I like the original. The you were I, I was getting it zero. before it was cool. Yeah, um, I made that joke. But that was pretty bad. I was out like a week. This has been very mild. The worst part's been like the headaches. Like there's like this weird, I don't know how to describe it. Like I don't usually get headaches, but when I first got COVID, that was the worst part about it. It was like constant throbbing headaches. So that's been kind of the same thing uh, in a sore throat. But and we were talking I'll a little survive. bit. We were talking a little bit before we were recording. You say you don't normally get headaches unless you drink, and you have not drank a ton this month, have you? Dry January. Let's I'm back. go. Back Let's on the horse. Go. Let's get now. off the COVID stuff and actually onto a different COVID case. Aaron Rodgers in the media is just in his literal bag right now. He comes out and calls Hub or Kush, the guy who called out and said he's not voting for Aaron Rodgers because he wasn't vaccinated, right? Or like, you know, there was something along the lines of he wasn't vaccinated, didn't do everything for his team, was hurt or whatever, spewing misinformation. I think it was supposed it to be was, It was literally everything, though. Yeah. It, it was literally everything about Aaron Rodgers. He just doesn't like him. Yeah, it was yeah. the offseason. Like the fact oh, that that's he right. he brought up the, off the whole offseason stuff, the not being vaccinated, the lying. He's like, he didn't make, there wasn't like one thing that like was the reason. He's just like, he doesn't think an asshole should win MVP. That's incredible. But then Aaron Rodgers, and this quote is courtesy of Matt Schneidman, who's a Green Bay Packers beat writer for The Athletic, also a former Raiders beat writer for, I believe, the Mercury Times. That's why I follow him originally. But he comes out and says, from Hub Arkush, Aaron, no, Aaron Rodgers on Hub Arkush, I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. He doesn't know me. It's just an incredible quote from Aaron Rodgers and a feud, an ongoing feud, a rival between Hub Arkush yeah. and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I mean, I think it's just content, nothing more, nothing less. I don't have any glaring reactions beyond Aaron Rodgers continues to churn out quality, high eyeball, high volume content. I'm sure that Hub is not upset about Aaron saying, "We, I own you and I still own you. I'm sure that has nothing to do with this. The fact that he has dominated the Bears, I'm sure Hub is purely taking that out of this. That, that is not an emotional decision on Hub's part whatsoever. I was also, you were talking, we talked a lot before we started recording because you were figuring out this freaking Zoom thing for your COVID ass. What, you said your dad doesn't like Hub Arkush? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, in growing up in downstate Illinois, you would get, I believe it's 670 the score. Like, you would get, you listen to Chicago Sports Radio. That was the sports radio you got. And my dad hated this guy. So, and also after the Packers would beat the Bears, you would obviously flip on Bears Radio. 
because <laughs> I mean, you got to dance to the grave. Yeah. It's more fun than celebrating for sure. So that was, my dad has never liked this guy either. So I never was, never listened to that much sports talk radio, but he always used to decry him as a kid growing up. All right, let's get to some other news here. I don't want to talk about COVID too much longer. Uh, Derrick Henry is back and practicing. Finally, Derrick Henry for the Tennessee Titans is going to come back. How big is this? Someone sent me a graphic on the Titans yards per carry in with Derrick Henry healthy and Derrick Henry out 4.3 for both. <laughs> they have not averaged fewer yards per carry. The only difference, major difference is Derrick Henry had 10 touchdowns and the Titans have only had six rushing touchdowns since he's been hurt. So there has been a drop in like scoring efficiency there, which I do think Derrick Henry obviously shows up big in the red zone, but Derrick Henry, the one seed just got better. Henry is back. Yeah, that one's that makes it interesting at least because everyone's talking about the Titans as this paper tiger at the top of the AFC. Like, yeah, they're the one seed, but are they really the best team? I think with a fully healthy offense, you know, that team at full strength. Now, I still think Kansas City is probably better at full strength, but they'd have to, Kansas City would have to come to Tennessee. And so a fully healthy offense with them, I think they're very viable contenders to not only win the SC win at all. The Tennessee Titans pour one out for the Wonderlick. We're going to get into this a little bit later, but the Wonderlick no longer a test for NFL draft prospects. Yes, pour one out. We're going to answer on the trivia segment. We're going to get some Wonderlick questions Has as any, well. Have we ever gone on and told people like how the Wonderlick works? I think people don't realize it's what a thirty to forty 50 question, and you have to do it in like twelve, 12 minutes. minutes. Yeah, fifty questions, yes. twelve minutes. I've tried to take one. If you are not prepared for the energy you need to take it, it is a little bit of a challenge. The questions Fast. are not like overwhelmingly hard, like nowhere near SAT, ACT levels of difficulty. But in like answering every question in 10 to 15 seconds is a little bit of a grind. Yeah, that's I had to take one for <laughs> this is a dumb story. But so, if, so that's four, that's over four questions a minute. So just so you're thinking about it, 15 seconds, you have to go quicker than that just to finish. Uh, so yeah, it is a fast pace, but I had to take one cause I, this was harkens back to when I was coming out of Notre Dame, didn't have any jobs offers looking for whatever I could. I, there was, my brother said, if you just like get a high enough score for this one job that he was applying to, cause he was getting his MBA at the time. He's like, they give you an interview if you just like get meet the threshold. And I was like, okay, Whoa. sick. Let's do it. It was a, tr it was for a trading position though. And I had an accounting degree and I didn't know shit about trading. I get a high enough score, get it, this interview. And they start asking me about actual like trading and what I would do in certain situations. And I had zero clue. They like cut the interview off short to tell me that, like, I don't think this is the right fit. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I've <laughs> never heard that story. Interview. That's incredible. Uh, Dude, last... I had some bad interviews coming out of Notre Dame, my spring semester, just like trying whatever I could to get a job. And it was it, it just, I was not, I was not cut out for the business world. I'll I got a, I got a humble brag here. I don't even know if I want to say it. Every job I've ever interviewed for, I got. I've never oh. not gotten a job okay. after an interview. So just give me a chance. Just give me a chance. Maybe uh, you should uh, interview for president. I have. So see if I, they're hiring. I will. I will. Uh, AG Renner, 2026 or whatever the next one is. Uh, let's do it. 2024. Um, last thing, Jim Harbaugh coming back to the NFL. There is smoke here. And where there is smoke, there is fire. I would not. Some people are like, oh, his agent's making a power play. He got his salary cut in half. I think last offseason there was a ton of news about that. You know, he's maybe just trying to make a move for more money. But, like, I do think Harbaugh wants to get back to the NFL. And there was all this talk about the relationship he has with the Davis family. He obviously was a quarterback's coach for the Raiders early on in his NFL coaching career. 
Like, this makes too much sense to me. If Harbaugh wants back to the NFL, this job will be offered to him. I 100% guarantee it. I 100% guarantee Mark Davis will offer the Harbaugh job to, or the, the Raiders job to Harbaugh. It's up to whether or not Harbaugh wants this gig, right? Wants to leave Michigan and go back to the NFL. Because the big one of the biggest reasons Davis went with Gruden is, one, really good relationship with Gruden. Obviously, the Davis family and the Gruden family go back deep. And two, he needs a splashy hire for Vegas. If you are going to make your money back on all the investment they put in the stadium and all this investment they put in this move, you need to hire high-energy, aggressive, known like likable coaches and Harbaugh is exactly that. That's what they thought Gruden was going to be. Obviously, leaving the booth, coming back to the Raiders, uh, bringing some of that nostalgia back. I think Harbaugh would have that same energy without obviously the racist emails. Jesus, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I caught off guard there by that <laughs> ending. Um, Harbaugh, though, I, I do think from his perspective, it, it kind of it does make a lot of sense to make that jump back. You kind of exercise your demons at Michigan, not to say you can't go up and win a national championship there, but you're kind of at your peak. You lose a lot of talent from this team, likely not going to be the same next season sort of success to where, yeah, you could build and continue in college, but I think this is the guy who wants to be in the NFL. I think he would be the type of guy who wants to win at the highest level. Sees what his brother did, winning a Super Bowl. He wants that himself. I do think he will be in the NFL. Maybe not this season, but I do think sooner rather than later. Off the catch and early buzz and on to the NFL preview slate. Before we do, proud sponsor, presenting sponsor of the podcast is Manscaped. Cheers to 2022 resolutions you can actually keep. How about upgrading your grooming routine for the new year? I asked for the R read and I still don't have it, Connor Price. This is the PG read, so I'm making my own puns. Our sponsors at Manscaped want your balls clean. Drop <laughs> No, our our sponsors at Manscaped here are here to make the ball drop into 2022 the cleanest ever. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. It's New Year, New Me with global leaders in male grooming. This year, take your grooming to the next level with Performance Package 4.0 and the Ultra Premium Body Wash. Won't help you from getting COVID, but it will clean your nuts. Get 20% off and free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code PFF. It's new year, new me in 2022 with Manscaped. I'm texting Connor Price right now. We want the R read on the show, man. We want ball jokes. We, if I'm not, remember the make Santa proud jokes on the last Christmas read? That was incredible. All right, Chiefs Broncos. Saturday game, 4.30 p.m. ET. Line opened at like 3 when there was uncertainty whether or not either team would play starters. The line has now moved out to 10.5 in favor of the Chiefs on the road. Chiefs favored by 10.5. And let me, every single game, I'm going to walk you through the scenario. The scenarios of what could happen if either team loses. If Kansas City wins and Tennessee loses, they will have the one seed. Now that means Kansas City will have to, or Tennessee would have to lose to the Texans which is easy. <laughs> it's not easy to do. Um, so that, that there is that shot, right? That Kansas City um, can get the one seed if Tennessee loses to the Texans. Mm -hmm. However, um, they probably need to win either way 
because I think KC can fall out of the two seed if they lose and other teams do win. They can go to the three, the four, or I think as low as the five. Denver, on the other hand, is in a pit of misery, eliminated from the playoffs. Teddy Bridgewater on the injured reserve, expected to start Drew Locke in this game. Is 10.5 too low, right? Like Broncos not in a position to throw the kitchen sink at Kansas City, even if it is at home, onto their backup quarterback, injuries elsewhere as well. I think Kansas City rolls here and does cover the 11, knowing that there is an opportunity to get the one seed. Yeah, I know that's a massive spread there, but Drew Locke against the Spagnuolo coach defense, I don't love that matchup. Um, Chiefs needing to bounce back, needing to get it together, heading into the playoffs. I think they get right in this game. And just the sort of motivational aspect of both also obviously favors the Chiefs. And so – I. <laughs> Some people joke about the motivational aspect in Week 18 or previously in Week 17, but Eric Eager, who is probably like one of the few like profitable betters here at PFF, always talks about motivation, especially in this week because it matters so much. I mean, it's why you, it's why dogs in bowl games often cover the spread, right? It's like you know favorites in bowl games are, have already kind of won their way, whereas dogs are obviously looking to end on a high note in these things. But this week, specifically, looking at motivation, knowing that Denver, no matter what, you know, is not going to win, you know, it doesn't need to win this football game or can't doesn't have to win this football game, Kansas City should be putting their gas pedal through the floor to ensure that they win, making it this line, I think, 10.5 a little bit too small. I like the Chiefs to absolutely roll in mile high. Cowboys at Eagles. Eagles are seven-point dogs at home. Now, here's the scenario. Cowboys win, Bucks lose, Rams lose. Cowboys get the two seed. For every NFC game being played this week, no one can get the one seed. The Green Bay Packers have locked in the one seed. But there are a handful of teams that can claim or secure the two seed. And for that, Cowboys win, Bucks lose, Rams lose. The Cowboys get the two seed. If the Eagles win, Rams win, Eagles get the sixth seed. But it's likely that the Eagles are either in the seventh seed or the sixth seed. They don't have a chance to move up much further than that. So there is a lot more, in my opinion, more motivation for Dallas to win, knowing that they can elevate all the way up to the two seed. But um, seven-point line here on the road for the Cowboys. Where are you heading? Yeah, this one's one I wouldn't even touch. It's just like the, the motivational aspect, not even just motivational aspect, the – Eagles, you don't know if they're going to play their guys. Like they could play, they could say they're going to play their guys and play them a quarter, you know, because they're really, like you just said, there, it's either the six or the seven. You're, that is not enough, in my opinion, to risk Jalen Hurts getting hurt, to risk Lane Johnson getting to to risk your key players getting hurt against the Cowboys team. Yeah, you'd love to beat a division rival. Yeah, it's at home. You play to win a Super Bowl. You made it to the playoffs. I, if I were a head coach, I give them a couple series, treat it like a preseason game keep them fresh and I'd get them out of there. So that's to me, you just not knowing that heading into this game would be silly to bet it other way. I think that's fair. I, I, I think I'll... I mean, fully healthy sevens way too high, mm -hmm. you know, like if they play hard Eagles with a fully healthy roster, don't bench anyone sevens too much in this game for them at home. Yeah. There's not as much motivation for the Eagles to win this game. I mean, they're, they're with them only being able to move up from the seven seed, to the six seed, the six seed. And that's with an Eagles win, a Rams win. <laughs> like it's not even like they control, yeah. control their own destiny. A lot has to happen. So I kind of side with you there. Don't bet this game. And if you are betting this game, I mean, maybe you wait till it gets out seven and a half to bet Philly, but I think I'm leaning Dallas. Yeah, if you really if, have like a read, if you got info on what a coach is going to do here, you got a guy who maybe does sells bratwurst in the stadium. They're at the link. Then, then for sure, go for it. I like it. I like it. Steelers at Ravens. Ravens are five-and-a-half-point favorites over the Steelers. Now, 
this is an interesting situation. Ravens are favored by five and a half, but they're out of the playoffs. Like Ravens are yeah. not in the playoffs. They can't make the playoffs. The Steelers can. Steelers can make the playoffs if they win and the Colts lose to the Jags. I know the Colts losing the Jags. They're 15 and a half point favorites. It's probably not going to happen. But the Steelers are like at least like in it, right? Like I don't even know if Ravens are going to throw out any starters in this game. It could be a young player's game. I Favored by five and a half. I didn't think this line made a ton of sense, right? Like maybe Ravens rivalry game, they get after it. But I, I don't know necessarily. Um, or am I wrong there? Ravens do have an opportunity to go to the playoffs. They also... Uh, I think Ravens they would need the Colts to lose. Yeah, so they they're in the same boat as the Steelers, actually. Steelers yeah. win, Colts lose, Steelers are in. Ravens win. They need the Jags to win, and they need the Raiders to win. Yeah. So I guess so they, they do have they both Colts. have playoff contentions to play for. Both need the Colts to lose, which probably isn't gonna happen. So this is probably between two non playoff teams, if we're all being honest. I don't see the Colts losing to the Jags. I just don't. I don't see the Colts yeah. losing to the Jags. So in a game where they don't control their own destiny, but they both need wins, do you see the Ravens as five and a half point favorites? No, I still don't. I just Lamar Jackson's still on the fence of where whether he's going to play or not. I, I think the Steelers they, they just have a lot of talent in that wide receiving core, and yeah, it's Big Ben, whatever. We all saw his passing chart from last week, but I think they have enough guy like do, against that secondary. I still think he can have a modicum of success to at least move the ball, and I think that's all they need to cover that number. Do I'm looking now on whether or not Lamar Jackson will play it. It's not looking likely. He's not he was not at practice on today, which we were recording on Wednesday at 521 PM. He's not at practice today. So it's likely that Huntley starts and the Ravens are still favored by five and a half. This yeah. is a this is a I might bet Steelers at five and a half. I think I'm riding with the Steelers. I think Steelers yeah. go in to Baltimore with as shitty as Big Ben looked on Monday night on a short week. And they cover that number. Maybe they don't win, but I don't like it five and a half, especially with Tyler Huntley starting in this game. Do they either of them make the playoffs? Probably not, unless the Jags play spoiler for Indy. But um, I like the Steelers to cover five and a half. Bengals-Browns. Now, this line surprised me until I saw that the Bengals are essentially resting this entire week. I mean, a yes. lot of players on the COVID list. Joe Burrow is not playing, resting for the playoffs. That means we're going to see Brandon Allen in this game. However... I do think, bet it now. Here's here, This is a little bit of an interesting theory. Bet it now at two and a half. They're favored by two and a half. Bet the Bengals to win by two and a half. Because if the Bengals win, the Chiefs lose, and the Titans lose, the Bengals are the one seed. So like, if the Chiefs lose on Saturday, so they play Saturday at 4.30, and the Bengals win, they get the two seed. The Bengals go all the way up to two. So I do think if the Chiefs lose, you could see maybe Burrow get surprisingly healthy or some guys come surprisingly off the COVID list, in my opinion, that they go out and try and win this game by more than two and a half and they win this one. However, if the Chiefs lose or win, then essentially the seeding doesn't make, you know, the seeding jump isn't mm -hmm. a huge opportunity and maybe they do end up resting. So I think bet it now if you think the Chiefs are going to lose. Don't bet it. Maybe bet the Browns. Who knows? With Case Keenum, right? Baker Mayfield's not playing this game. I mean, the better bet is if you think the Chiefs are going to lose, bet the Broncos. Yeah, true, line. true, true, true. That's point true. That's no, I honestly like the Browns a lot in this one. Two really? and a half points. Even with Case Keenum? You're upgrading at quarterback. I love that. Case Keenum's a better quarterback than Brandon you're Allen. Going, <laughs> it's true. You're playing Brandon Allen. Dude, I like that. I really, this is one of my favorite lines of the week is wow. the Browns two and a half, honestly. Better quarterback getting points at home. Case Keenum over Brian, Brian, exactly, like exactly. That's not bad. And honestly, actually. like better, better all around roster. Yeah, it's it's. I think they're 
sort of doing a disservice to how much Joe Burrow has lifted this mm-hmm. team this year with this line. Yeah, I guess betting Brown's money line, you're banking on a Chiefs win and pretty much a Bengals rest fest. And the Bron- and the Browns could win this one with a better quarterback at home. I, th- I don't think that's a bad bet. I mean, like, not even – shit, they blew them out last time they played, you know, yeah. <laughs> at in Cincy. So the Browns did, so. Right. A lot of guys on the COVID list for the Bengals, too. Trey Hendrickson, I know, is on the COVID list. Have we officially licensed an apology to Jungle Nation for some of the shade we threw at Trey Hendrickson? Because a lot of – I didn't shade throw shade at Trey Hendrickson. I, I, I think I some did. of PFF As did. As a player. I think some of PFF did. And I think maybe it was me, too. But, like, a lot of us had the conversation, at least the conversation, that a lot of Trey Hendrickson's sacks with the Saints – were cleanup pursuit sacks. He did not have a high pass yeah. rush win rate. It was a career year him from a pass rush grade perspective, but we did not. It would have been safe to say that we did not see repeated success as he's had. Like I think he broke the record for most games consecutively with the sack. Like he has had a lot of sustained success. That I don't think people saw coming. Tip your cap to Trey Hendrickson. I'm going to officially apologize on the behalf of PFF for throwing some shade at that selection, right? A lot of people felt that Carl Lawson was better. They paid Trey Hendrickson just as much money. Hendrickson has come in and been a legitimate impact player for them and has sustained a lot of that sack success he had in New Orleans. I wasn't – the when I, I was critical of the deal, not because of the deal itself. Like, I thought the money was fine for a guy like Trey Hendrickson. It was the business decision of letting your homegrown talent go to then sign a guy at the same position for the same money. You know, like that was to me, I just think that sends a bad, that's just a bad culture to create of not re-signing your own guys and not saying like, hey, if you play well on your rookie deal, you'll be here. I just think over the long term, that's something that breeds a losing culture. Now, that obviously Trey Henderson's been monster, exceeded, you know, anyone's expectations of even after, you know, even the Bengals and even like the NFLs would have paid him a lot more money if they knew this was coming. So, I don't think anyone did see this. So from that perspective, yes, uh, you know, the move was huge for them. But I still do think, like I said, that sort of what they did is not uh, like I said, not, not a culture I would like to commit to long term. You know how many sacks Carl Lawson has this year? Wow. <laughs> and that's the thing. People point that out as if, like, it could have – that could have flipped the exact opposite way. And there's really no yeah. Don't bring up Carl Lawson's ACL injury as yeah. I did it. I'm just at, I'm just rattling off. It's, it's honestly fair. It's honestly fair. So Connor Price, shout out, sent me the R read. Going to give you some highlights here. Cheers to 2022 and resolutions you can actually keep. How about having clean and shiny balls all year round? Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop in 2022 the cleanest and sexiest ever. So some of those words they took out. My favorite line that they added in our read. So it's you know how in the original PG read it was New Year, New Me? It's it's New Year, no pubes in 2022 <laughs> Manscaped. That's the they didn't, even, they didn't even try to like make a pun. I love it. I love it. It's New, New Year, year no pubes, 2022. You know, there's like no shave November. I think Manscaped needs to attach themselves to like yeah. only shave November or just your pubes November, just your pubes January. I don't know. It, uh, sh- sh- shave September. I hate it. Okay. Clean. clock. I don't know. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Think of the alliteration, Quinn. We need you on that ASAP. Um, Bengals. No. Packers. Lions. Lions? Free nut February? Okay. I, I like that. I like I like a free nut February, actually. That's <laughs> or I don't know. Sleek. Okay, we need to stop. Packers at Lions. Lions. Sleek sack or- September. Sleek there you sack go. September. I love that. I'm texting Manscaped. I'm, te- I'm texting <laughs> I'm texting Connor. Sleek 
sack September. I love it. We're going to get fucking, they're going to up, they're going to up their, they're going to up their event. <laughs> we, we just got a nice little fresh check. Tailgate coming in hot. PFF's going to just have to unload the bag. The brakes truck is coming. Uh, Packers Lions, how is this line only two and a half? I know Green Bay has locked up the one seed. I know they're resting a lot of guys. But still, I think regardless, Green Bay is more than two and a half points better than the Lions, right? Yeah, and they, they're going to rest, but they're also going to – it's going to be not a complete rest. They're going to play them at least a, a portion of the game. Uh, Malifor came out and said he said he did research about past one seeds that already locked it up, guys that were going to have buys and thought the sort of track record of people that played the last week of the season was much better than the pack track record of teams that did not play the last week of the season. And just speaking purely – from my heuristic as a Packers fan, 2011, they played against the Lions, Matt Flynn game, 600 whatever yards, come out and lay a goddamn egg against the Giants in their very first game, lose as a one seed that year in the playoffs. So I think they're going to play. I think they're going to look good. The Stars at least build up a lead, build up a big enough lead that I don't see the Lions come back covering. Two and a half points is going to be the tightest line I think Detroit's literally seen all year. <laughs> this is uh, an insane line. I'm betting Green Bay as well. Because even you talk about the motivation factor, if you get backups in, the motivation changes. You know, like this is like backups who are trying to like, like Jordan Love's going to try and show that he can fucking be a starter, right? There's going to be a lot of guys out there trying to show the, their best. I think I think Packers go out and win by more than three. I like the Packers minus two and a half. Titans, Texans. If the Titans lose, the one seed's gone. They can't lose this game if they want the one seed. So they're going to throw the kitchen sink at Davis Mills and the Houston Texans. They're favored by 10 on the road against Houston. Now, I could see Davis Mills play spoiler in covering this spread. Am I wrong to think there's no way the Texans win this game? I, I don't like the Titans. This is this is this is essentially playoff football because you win this game, you yes, get the yeah, buy. Yeah. Like you, like you, you win this game, you earn a buy, which improves your chances of winning the Super Bowl so much. Especially now when the only one team gets a buy system, right? Like this is massive for Tennessee. They need to treat this game like a playoff game. They cannot afford to keep this one close. Maybe Davis Mills, just because he's improved every single week and he's one of your favorite quarterbacks in the NFL, he covers this ten. I don't see the Titans in any way, shape, or form losing this game though. That can't happen. That would be you talk about. Mike Vrabel is coach of the year. He loses this game. Fucking throw all those votes out the window because this would be an absolute meltdown disaster. But I said Davis Mills one of my favorites because he's not my favorite. Yeah. That's Taylor Heineke. Of course. As you know. <laughs> uh, Titans, though, yeah, the motivational aspect here, they, they need to put a hurt. Not, no, not put a hurt. They need to win. Like, they, they need to pull out whatever stops it takes. If you, like, you're not saving any plays for the playoffs here, you need to win this game. Ten points. Not enough. Uh, give me the Titans. Love it. Love it. Colts, Jags. This one, a lot of people have to watch this one. Because if the Colts lose, like all hell breaks loose in the AFC. Colts could yeah. like fall out of the playoffs, I think. If Colts lose, Raiders win, and Steelers win, I think there's a chance that they fall out. Like there are some scenarios where the Colts could fall out, I believe. Yes. Um, so they need to win this game. And that's evident in the line. They're favored by 15 and a half over the hapless Jaguars. Or, I don't think I want to bet the Jags. But 15 and a half is massive. And I think this line will grow. I think it could get to 16, 16 and a half, 17, because there's just no reason for the Jaguars to compete and every reason for the Colts to lay the hammer. Now, the question becomes, can the Colts blow out the Jags? 
do you have that confidence that the Colts can go into week 18 on the road and blow out the Jags? Um, 15 and a half is a lot on the road. Jags have been, I mean, shit, they rolled over and died about eight weeks ago, honestly, but that's still too much for me to bet. Even if the motivational aspect is very much in the Colts favor here. Um, I do think I think it is that if the Colts just lose, I think they are out because it would either be the Ravens jump them or the Steelers would jump them, I believe. Mm-hmm. So they win in, lose out. Um, but I do think that they win, but I'm not sure 15 and a half. That's just a ton of points for a team that's, you know, limited at quarterback, shall we say. I'm going to back the Colts because I faded Colts Nation. I yeah, faded, I faded Colts you. Nation and they hate me. I'm back in the Colts. I think Carson Wentz shows up. I think Jonathan Taylor shows up. This is a blowout win, an emphatic win, and, and, and it puts an exclamation point on why it was so smart to trade for Carson Wentz, so smart to prop up Jonathan Taylor as a Heisman, or not Heisman, MVP caliber player. Colts go into Jacksonville, and they destroy the Jacksonville Jaguars. I can't be my dump truck because it's a 15.5-point spread, and you can only do one-score spreads, but I think it's a dump trucking for the Colts, and I'm excited to see it. Bears-Vikings. Both are out of the playoffs. Do we care about this game? Yeah, this one's my dump trucking. Which one? Who? This is the Vikings. You think the Vikings, Vikings dump truck? Really? This is because you know what this is, right? What? This is a meaningless game for Kirk Cousins, which means he's going to go for like 380 and three true. touchdowns. Wow. That's, that's so his true. MO. I mean, it also time. helps that the Bears are starting Andy Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> no, they got, I think Justin Fields started. Oh, really? Garbage time. Team that's like, out of the play they're completely out of the playoffs so like literally meaningless that is when Kirk Cousins puts turns into Mahomes like that's when he's that's how he builds up this cachet of statistical prowess that he's built over the course of his career is games like this so Kirk Cousins put on a show you heard it here first Quinn Mike Renner's dump truck is the Vikings over the Bears. And I'm going to ride with you. I like them to cover. It won't be my mirror dump truck. i got to identify another game to break out the Tonka. But I like Vikings two and a half. I mean. Prep that truck. Uh, prep that truck. What's the dump truck record? What did you guys do last week? I forget. I lost, My dump truck last week lost. I had the Colts uh, so blowing out the Raiders. I'm 0-1 right now. What was yours, I can't Mike? remember what mine was. we gotta, we got to write these down. Yeah, we, we always come up with these segment ideas and just like throw them at Quinn, yeah, we, and then we never like actually well, back no, get that to the the social team. He's put it on a graphic. Yeah, a dump truck graphic would be hot. Did you see? We t- never mind. I'm not bringing it up. Football team at Giants. Football team at Giants. Giants are seven point dogs at home. I don't ever want to watch a Giants game again. Yeah, I don't want to watch this football game. Football team is favored by seven. Both teams eliminated from the playoffs. Fun to watch quarterback Taylor Heineke versus fun to watch quarterback Mike Glennon. I, I, I'd rather throw up in my own hands and watch this game. It's going to be a disaster. I like Giants plus seven, though, because I don't have any faith in Taylor Heineke. I mean, if you watched it, you probably would throw up in your own hands also. So. <laughs> I think, I think I'm, I'm betting Giants plus seven. Don't. <laughs> Why? I like the Giants. <laughs> no, I mean, I just want to root for chaos here. I just don't believe in the Heineke. I have no take on the game. Let's get to some meaningful football here. Seahawks, Cardinals. Cardinals are favored by six and a half at home. Cardinals win, and they can move up in seeding with Rams and Bucks losses. They're currently slotted as the fifth seed, I believe, in the NFC. But they can't lose the fifth seed if they lose. Like it doesn't matter if they lose and other teams lose. They can't. They can't lose the fifth seed in their current seeding. The fifth seed is their floor. 
whereas the Seahawks are already eliminated from the playoffs. The motivation for this game will be interesting because Cardinals obviously can move up with Rams losses and Bucks losses, so they're motivated to win, but there isn't a lot of concern if they're losing. I think if they are anyone fully healthy plays in this game, anyone somewhat battling injuries probably doesn't, and that's probably where they sit. For that reason, I like Cardinals to cover the six and a half. Flock Nation, here we go. Yeah, this one, I think from the Cardinals' perspective, you're, I don't know, you, you play it as is, but like I don't think you go all out. I don't think you're pulling out necessarily all the stops. Uh, but I do think they still probably win. But I honestly like the Seahawks to also, from a motivational perspective, because this is it for us. I think this might be his last this is it. Seahawks. This is it. So that is something that he would want to go out there one last time and put on a show. So I think I like the Seahawks more to cover in this one. Seahawks more to cover, really? Mm-hmm. Mr. Unlimited? I do. From the reporters here at PFF, Doug Kide, I believe, has talked to people around the league, and there is like growing belief, I don't know if that's even an expression, that Russell Wilson is playing his last. I mean, the Pete Carroll-Russell Wilson pairing might be coming into it. That's how it's being phrased, right? Like if Russell Wilson's staying in Seattle, maybe Carroll's moving on, or if Russell Wilson's moving on, obviously Pete Carroll's staying in Seattle. So there will be some disruption, I believe, in Seattle this offseason between Coach Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. This could be his last game. For that motivation, I still like the Cardinals, minus six and a half. Saints-Falcons. Before we get to Saints-Falcons, proud sponsor of the podcast is DraftKings. We've hit the final week of the pro football regular season, and college football is heading into the national championship. You're going to be at the national championship, Mike. DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to get all fans in on the action for this exciting time on the football calendar. New customers can bet just $5 on any football team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So let's wind down the season with a big win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any football team, college or pro, and win $200 in free bets if they're victorious. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer restriction supply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Saints at Falcons. Saints win. Rams win. They're both favored, and the Saints are in. Like The Saints sneak into the playoffs with a Saints win and a Rams win, and the Rams are playing the Niners, which we'll get to that game in two games from now. Rams are favored by four over the Niners. Saints are favored by four and a half over the Falcons. I think the Saints get in. Falcons are out. It's over. Like The the Falcons do not make the playoffs regardless of what happens in this game. Saints should be highly, highly motivated to win this one. I think the defense shows up. I don't care who's at quarterback. Could even be Ian Book in Atlanta. I think the Saints come out with a dub. It would be a wild end to their season, though, if the Matt Ryan-led Atlanta Falcons dropped them out of the playoffs. That would be awful. Or, I mean, I think, or if the 49ers beat the Rams, but I don't think that's going to happen either. Is this your dump truck of the week? Because this My one, I don't truck. think. I like the dump I don't truck. think this one's going to be particularly close. I like it. I'm uh, going to back Ian Book slash Taysom Hill slash Trevor Simeon. My dump truck of the week is the Saints yeah. over the Falcons. Because the Saints can still, like I said, sneak in. They have a lot to play for. They're so much better along the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. So give me the Saints in this one. I wouldn't even say they have to sneak in. They can just get in. I think the Saints yeah. are in. Saints win, Rams win, and they are in. Uh, Jets, Bills. What the hell? Jets are out. Bills, if the Bills lose, Chargers win and Colts win. The Bills fall to the seventh seed. Isn't that insane? I think they're right now currently at the two or three seed. If they, if they lose and the Chargers win and Colts win, they will fall all the way down the seventh seed to be on the road the entire playoffs. 
No way they lose this game. They're favored by 16 and a half for a reason. The Jets are out, obviously. Now, if the Bills win, Chiefs lose, Bengals lose, they're the two seed. Officially the two seed, they secure the two seed. So a lot of reason for Bills to be motivated in this one. They need a win. Need a win. You do not want the seven seed and be on the road. They want You want people playing in Buffalo at some point in the postseason, maybe early in the postseason to secure some dubs. I think the Bills roll against New York. I think they win, but 16 and a half is a crazy spread to cover. I just think that's too much. And I think Zach Wilson is playing a lot better. I mean, just, just this last week, but like, I, I think he's playing, he's a different sort of confidence level right now than obviously when they played early on in the season. Give me, give me the Jets. Cover. J E T S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah. 49ers at Rams. Rams are favored by four. Now, I already kind of hinted at this, but. If the Rams lose this game, which isn't out of the question, it is at home for Rams, it is in SoFi, Fi Stadium, over the Niners, they're favored by four. But if they lose, Cardinals win, Bucks win, the Rams could fall all the way to the five seed. If they win, doesn't matter what else happens. If they win, they secure the two seed. They secure the two seed, regardless of what happens to the rest of the NFC. If they win, they are the number two team behind the Green Bay Packers. Now, 49ers lose, Saints win, they're out of the playoffs. The 49ers, if they win, they're in. They have to win. If the 49ers lose this game, they're out. Doesn't matter what happens with everyone else. If they lose and the Saints win, or no, sorry. If they lose and the Saints win, they're out. If they lose and the Saints lose, they will still retain the seventh seed. I'm 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 sure everyone followed that. I'm a piece of shit. Let me restate. Let me restate. 49ers lose, Saints win, Saints are the seventh seed. If the 49ers lose and the Saints lose to the Falcons, they still retain the seventh seed. If they win, I think the highest they can get up is the sixth seed. So 49ers need this win too. Yes, and 49ers have the Rams number. Five straight wins over the Rams. Give me 49ers to cover. Let me keep that rolling. Are you going to get the money line too? Are you going to take a little money line? Are you taking some money line? I think the 49ers win this game. Wow, I'm disagreeing. I think the Rams look to secure the two seed and, and win this game by more than four with the offensive of player of the year in Cooper Cup. I just think Shanahan does a great job of scheming that run game to basically avoid Aaron Donald. Say like, hey, you know, like that's their run defense, that's their pass rush, whatever. I think he does a very good job of that, and that's why they have had so much success the last five weeks, five times they played. Patriots at Dolphins. Dolphins are six-and-a-half-point dogs at home against the Patriots. Now, Patriots can fall to the sixth seed if they lose and the Colts win. They're still in the playoffs regardless. I think the highest they can get up to is the four seed. Dolphins are already out of the playoffs. Any reason the Patriots don't go into Miami and just completely roll here? No, I think that, I mean, the only reason would be if they bench guys realizing that, hey, the Bills aren't going to lose the Jets. We're, we're kind of stuck in our heels here as a wild card. But even still, it's like that offense, Mac Jones come a long way since week one when they last played. And he struggled a lot, you know, struggled a little in that game. It wasn't the Mac Jones we've seen at times later on in the season. And the Dolphins offense just looks so gimmicky of, of late that I think Bill Belichick has an easy time scheming against that. Yeah. I mean, only six and a half, too. And Patriots know they win 
you know, they can they can secure, I think, four seeding, and they want to chase, you know, home <laughs> playoff games. So you don't want to follow the sixth seed um, if Colts win, too. That that would be where they end up. So I do think Patriots win. Dolphins already out of the playoffs. Tua Tungavailoa probably checked out at this point, knowing that they're going to make an upgrade at QB, maybe swing the bat for Deshaun Watson. It could be ending badly there at South Beach for Miami. Back-to-back seasons, missing the playoffs with a Week 17 fallout. You hate to see it. Panthers, Bucks. They can't move up or down. They can't move down only up to no, the they can move seed. down they, they can move down the bucks can move down it would be so they're currently a three seed right yeah if the rams win and the doll and the cowboys win and the bucks lose they would end up being or no excuse me if the if the rams lose and the cowboys win that would be three teams at 12 and four and they would be last in that because of uh it would go to conference record so they could be the four, but I don't think it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, but they could be the four. With the Panthers are already out of the playoffs. Do I still feel that eight is too much? Eight too much. No Antonio Brown. Still reeling over injuries. They could be resting guys here. I, I, yeah, I think, I, I think it's too much because I do think of that. They they could very well rest with how many injuries they have. If they got another serious injury to a guy, I, I think they would they would much rather just lick their wounds and go on the road like they did. Shit literally last year mm-hmm. and run through the playoffs then go into the playoffs with any more injuries yeah i think you're probably right and still though I, do you want to bet the panthers in week 18 i don't want to touch the pan honestly i'm back in the box i don't care if tom brady only plays the first quarter like the bucks at home only favored by eight I, I, this panthers team stinks dude and they're going to be playing like rotational carousel of quarterbacks sam Darnold might get some run phil you know pj walker might get some run i think the bucks by eight regardless of who they start out there even though they're down bad right now i think the bucks win um and, and i think they do secure could even secure the two seed i think the bucks stay in place there this is the biggest game of the weekend chargers raiders yes. sunday night football my raiders our raiders three-point dogs at home Win, and they're in. Now, Chargers win, Jags win. They're the sixth seed. If they win and whatever else happens, they're the seventh seed. Jags win, remember, would have to be overcoming a 15.5-point spread and beating the Colts, <laughs> which is probably not possible. Now, if the Raiders win, Jags win, they're the fifth seed, and the Colts are out, which would be absolutely nuts. But again, the Jags would have to win. I doubt that happens. Um, dude, call me crazy. I like the Raiders on the money line. Chargers, oh. Chargers on the outside looking in. My Raiders, Oakland rise up. Derek Carr on a heater in the clutch. Yeah, he has not played well court, first quarter to fourth quarter, but he's shown up when it's mattered in the fourth. Clutch time over Justin Herbert. Give me the Raiders on the money line at home in the Death Star. Yeah, I'm going to go Chargers. Oh, uh, come on. Go a little differently from you. Uh, yeah, I still think Justin Herbert's playing good football. And. Trey Pipkins looked a lot better than Storm Norton did at right tackle last week. To, uh, you know, if Storm Norton's in there, that him versus Max Crosby, that's an auto chip every single time. Uh, kind of going to limit that offense while well, you can do with that matchup. But I think Trey Pipkins can maybe hold his own a little bit more. Now, I'd probably still want to auto chip with him, but I just think this Chargers offense, I feel far better about week in and week out. Uh, the defense side of the ball, is the only thing I'm maybe a little bit worried about. But if they're healthy, I don't worry about it as much as the Raiders' defense. Where are you watching this game? I kind of want to watch it with you. If you don't have uh, COVID, it depends on the COVID I don't know where situation. you want to watch it. Depends on where you're at with the COVID situation. Oh, that's also true. 
Maybe I will watch it. We watch it on Zoom together. (laughs) I think the Raiders win, man. I'm back. It's it's the fandom. I I think the Raiders win this game. It's in Las Vegas. Yeah, Herbert's an introvert. Can an introvert go on the road and clinch playoff spot? Introverts don't thrive in Vegas. Introverts, that's not a scene for him. I think I think Quinn's on to something. Let's get to trivia. Or no, yeah. Mailbag first. Let's get to the mailbag. Do we want to do voicemails, then the written mailbag, then the trivia like we did last week? Yes, sir. Before we get to the voicemails, because voicemails are much anticipated, I have one more ad read, one more pay the bills moment, and it's from Western and Southern. Want a chance to win the ultimate game day feast, whether it's football success or financial savvy. Winning starts with asking us questions. Would you like to know what it's like behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Western Southern is teaming up with PFF's very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Every submission earns you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate Football's favorite Sunday. We'll cover your catering up to 2500 bucks. Coordinate your order from a restaurant near you and have it delivered on February 13, 2022. And don't forget to check out the Chris Collinswood podcast and Western Southern's Instagram to answer the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, with Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Podcast voicemails who are you kicking us off with quinn we have not heard these uh we'll start all right we'll start with um key lime fred's back our king yeah our king so we'll start with him uh because he kind of was the the you know he he had the best voicemail last week so here we go with uh key lime fred i think he's talking about the titans again so listen up lfg hey fellas it's key lime fred again Last week on the show, you said if the Tits get the number one seed, then we can talk about Coach Frable being the coach of the year. Well, it's time to talk, bitch, because (laughs) the Tits are in control after all of the setbacks. I know that you think LaFleur should be the coach of the year, but let me tell you, sure would be nice if I was a coach and I had the best quarterback in the NFL and the best wide receiver in the NFL and... Two really good running backs. It sure would be hard if my best player got injured for the season. And then my number (laughs) one and my number two and my number three and my number four wide receivers also got injured. That sure would be difficult. I certainly wouldn't be making it into the playoffs. And I definitely wouldn't be winning the division. And there's no chance I'd be getting the one seed, right? Right? There's no chance. It would take some damn good coaching. So let's start talking about that, bitch. And Mr. Mustache, every time we talk about the tits, your whole posture changes. You're not a believer. (laughs) I can see it, and I can smell it on you, and it smells disgusting. You got to explain yourself. You're probably not a Tannehill fan, and that's okay, but hmm, your grades say you should be, bitch. (laughs) I'm backing the tits, Keelan Fred. I'm backing the tits, and... They secure the one seed, Mike. I'm backing Vrabel as coach of the year. He does bring up a lot of good points. They have been down. They're, they're running back Derrick Henry. They have been down Julio Jones, A.J. Brown. They've got, if they secure the one seed this week, why would you give it to LeFleur over Tennessee? I mean, Green Bay had way higher preseason expectations than Tennessee did. And Here's my posture, Key Lime, who is now a friend of the show, an absolute power-ranked number one voicemailer of the show. I'm all in on the Titans as the one seed. I don't think they are a paper tiger. The AFC is beatable, and that starts with Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans, led by Coach of the Year candidate, Coach of the Year winner, if they secure the one seed this week, Mike Vrabel. That's, so that's the thing. We've got the Packers already with the one seed. 
So Lafleur is the favorite for now. Should the Titans be able to sneak past the Texans, which will prove difficult for the Chargers? They don't collapse. I can be on board. I can give. I will give Mike Vrabel the coach of the year should they get the one seed. Very Keelan much. Fred. Very well deserve it. I love. I love Keelan Fred. Can I say that? I love Keelan Fred. Quinn, hit us with the next one. All right. Uh, sticking with the coach of the year theme. This is uh, from Lions fan. I'm going to assume he's in Detroit. Love that. Hey guys, Lions fan here. I am calling about Dan Big Fucking Nuts Campbell, <laughs> dude. Look. I want to know you guys' realistic opinions and expectations about him. Um, you know, he, he got hired in. Nobody knew what to expect. He wasn't an offensive guru or defensive guru. Um, and then at a press conference, you know, biting kneecaps, had all Lions fans ready to run through a fucking brick wall. When I say that, I'm not even kidding, man. I was so hyped. A lot of people didn't like that. You know, the jokes came in, and you guys are obviously fucking sick of them now too. But look, man. You know, coming into the year, nobody, at least no Lions fan, really expected to win more than three games. You know, our roster's dog water, our fucking quarterback's a dumpster fire, Jared Goff's trash, I hope we never have to see him throw a fucking ball again. Look, (laughs) Dan brought in a good staff, you know. Aaron Glenn on defense has been very impressive with the talent he has. Um, Offensive coordinator Anthony Lynn didn't work out very well. Dan took over for a while. It was kind of iffy. Now it's gotten better. But, look, we'll see what, what happens, right? But he's a genuine guy. Everyone loves him. Players love playing for him. Um, you know, and my favorite thing about him is he knows when to go for it on fourth downs. He's not afraid to do it. He knows when he he can't – when his team's not good enough to beat, like, a team like the Rams, he's going to kick an onside kick. He's going to fake a fucking punt, man. He's not afraid to let Jack Fox throw a ball. Bro, I love it. I love it about him. But I want to know you guys' realistic expectations and what you guys think about him. I do think – so that was electric. Thank you, Lions fan. And remember, if you're listening to these voicemails, go to speakpipe.com slash tailgate to leave a voicemail. We're getting a lot, but we pick the best ones every week. We're going to try and answer about four to six every single week on the mailbag episode, potentially future bonus mailbag episodes as well. That link is also in our podcast description. Lions fan, where it really shows up, right, is he's been aggressive in games to cover spreads. Like he's gone for it on fourth down. He's shown that belief yeah, in I'm the not, analytics. I don't think it's – I don't think he's trying to cover spreads. I'll just Not to cover spreads, that. but I'm saying he hasn't done it to one a ton of games, right? I mean, he had, he's done it and covered spreads is more what I meant. Yeah. He wasn't doing yeah. it to cover spreads. But like you've seen the aggression that you need from a coach that's literally been like a touchdown plus dog in every game, right? And like that is a huge vote of confidence. And we've had this conversation on the show before. Like the buy-in he has in Detroit is easily the best of any bottom feeder program in the NFL right now. Like, Far and away better than what Urban Meyer had. Far and away better than, I think, what Houston has with Cully. Like, this team is bad, but it's not a laughingstock of anything. It has a lot of promise. I think Benjamin Solak of The Ringer wrote a piece about why they're one of the better, if not the best, like, long-term rebuilds to buy into right now in the NFL. If you could buy stock in rebuilds, they're at the bottom right now. Obviously, going to pick number one or number two overall. But there is a lot of reason to have faith in Dan Campbell and how they're building this roster and how aggressive they are on fourth downs. You know, doing this fake punt like they had with Jack Fox. I'm I'm a huge fan in terms of realistic expectations. They are obviously a quarterback away from being playoff competitive, right? Like you can't have realistic. It doesn't matter how good Dan Campbell is if their quarterback is not 
vastly improved over Jared Goff, the Lions will still be a bottom feeder program. But in terms of building up this roster with talent, they've done that. It, the next step, again, is identifying this quarterback. And maybe that isn't 2022, right? We've talked about the cap implications of having Jared Goff. He's due a ton of money next year that they can't necessarily get rid of. But 2023, 2024, that's where I do think you have to bank on this turnaround when they actually have an opportunity to go after a Bryce Young, a CJ Stroud, maybe if DJ Owungalele changes things around. But like that's where my head's at with the Lions. Yeah, I think the aggressiveness in terms of in-game play calling is the biggest thing that I, if I'm a Lions fan, I'm encouraged about. Like following, you know, quote-unquote analytics or like what it says to do in terms of fourth down attempts, in terms of like what he did with onside kicks. That is what differentiates him when he came in and everyone's like, oh, you know, his pr press conferences, whatever. What differentiates him from quote unquote, the football guys, the Matt rules of the world, the Joe judge of the world. They talk a big game. They talk a big leadership program, but then they don't back it up when it comes to actually play calling when it terms comes to being aggressive on the football field. So I think very encouraging start. I will say the whole like buy-in for being a bad team, like shit, they're still only got two wins, you know, like it still hasn't necessarily translated to the football field. And obviously they're behind the eight ball in terms of the talent, but like at the NFL level, guys don't necessarily need motivation and buy-in like winning creates a lot of that like that that stuff is is important but it is still not as important as like the x's and o's of football so that one's like a tbd it's obviously tough to say no one's gonna no one there's only so much you can put lipstick on a pig when you got bad players so that one's that one's still tough to necessarily say but i i will like if you're comparing him like i said to other quote-unquote football guys he's He's off to, like the Jack Del Rios of the world who are like these rah-rah, every, every player in that locker room loves him. I think the biggest differentiator is like his aggressiveness. If that continues when they are starting to be favored is I would get really excited about it from a Lions fan. Next one, Quinn. Uh, we got two more. We'll go with, uh, we'll go with J Money John in Baltimore. This guy. All right. It's outside of Baltimore, Maryland. I'm actually an aspiring NFL scout, and I spend way too much time scouting players in the All-22 and learning more about the game on my own just because of how passionate I am about it. One player from the last draft class who I was way higher on than the consensus was wide receiver Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. Obviously, he ended up in Carolina, so it wasn't the best quarterback situation. I mean, the Panthers basically have Austin's mom out there playing quarterback for them. <laughs> However, he's been a healthy scratch at some points this season, which makes absolutely no sense to me given how athletic he is and just the physical traits he brings to the table. Why do you think he hasn't panned out in the pros? Is it the quarterback situation? Is it the Panthers' offense? Or is it just him not playing well? What do you think needs to happen for him to revive his career so he can be more hashtag fun to watch with whatever's left of his career? Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. J Money John from Baltimore. My mom would have a better record than Sam Darnold out there at Carolina. I'll say that. She's six foot, like, 190. Would bring the heat, dude. I'm telling you, she's got an arm. Uh, Zach Wilson size. Zach Wilson size. Zach, uh, Terrace Marshall, I think one part of this is obviously that the Panthers have good receivers, right? I mean, they want to have Ronby Anderson on the field. They want to have DJ Moore on the field. And I also think Terrace Marshall Jr. moved into the slot role LSU because in that offense, that's what got, like, the highest volume. So I think adjusting, I think they were playing him more on the outside in the preseason. He had some success there. I think there was some adjustment to what position he was playing, and maybe that's some of the, the healthy scratch stuff. But – I don't think there's any reason with as bad as the Panthers has been, they should have been as healthy scratch as often as he has. And obviously we're not at practices. We don't know what's showing up. But if anything, getting experience for these guys, even if they're not showing up at practice or you don't feel like they give you your best chance to win, the Panthers stink this year. And he should have been, at least down the stretch, more involved in this offense so they could kick the tires on him. I don't know if I'm wrong to think that. And this was a guy who 
was young coming out. I believe he was 20, 20 when he was drafted. Had not played a lot of football. He was third fiddle on that 2019 team. Was the guy, obviously, in 2020 before opting out. Only plays like seven games that year. Like, I think he just needs to play more football. That's a guy who probably just needs to mature and get more reps under his belt. So, uh, yeah, it's obviously with the day and age of so many wide receivers coming to the ground and lighting it up, you you start to have your eyes wandering and be like, oh, shit, you know, we could have had that. Like, look at these other guys dominating. I, I think more often than not over the, over the course of history, a lot of wide receivers have slow starts. So I'm not too worried about Terrace Marshall. Next one, Quinn. All right. This like, is, if the, I think it could be in college right now, and it very yeah, easily. You know, fair, so. fair. This is the last one. This is from uh, Paul in Nashville. 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 Hey there, Mike and Gail. This is Paul calling from Nashville, Tennessee, home of the presumptive first seed in the AFC playoff race. Uh, you two host one of my yes. favorite podcasts, and y'all just get along so suspiciously well. But <laughs> my question is kind of simple. How many snaps of all 22, every single one of them, do you estimate that you watch every year? Thanks. Oh, my God. How many snaps of all 2020? How? Okay, so there's roughly about like 60 to 80 snaps per game, right? Maybe that will help you. Per side. Yeah, per side. Shit. <laughs> Are you um, counting between the, college and NFL? Are you counting the and angles then, too, right? Yeah, no, maybe don't count it. the angles. Just count the plays, no, right? Just, yeah, just, just count plays. the plays because you obviously have the broadcast angle, you have the end zone angle, and then you have the, the all twenty-two like um, sideline angle. So there are like three technical yeah. shots that you're watching on each play. It's Pretty a lot. Like, okay, so what about prospect wise? Oh, One hundred fifty guys. Man, this is adding up. I, mean, so I think COVID's hit my brain. I'm struggling to do math right now. Uh, I'd estimate somewhere in the neighborhood of just full games of all 22, probably like seven a week in yeah. the NFL. Seven, yeah. seven full games of all 22 a week in the NFL would be then. So it's 150, let's say, per game. Yeah. That's 1,000 a week. So, so 18,000. Then the playoffs, you watch every single one of those. That's, I don't know, whatever probably i'm not even gonna do the math and then probably about probably more i honestly watch more college than all 22 over the course of drafts you're at season. least watching like 600 snaps a player right so I like mean, forty thousand plays of all 22 you guys are gonna be so fucked on these wonderlick questions <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, uh, this is this sucks. does it does, so that's just how many plays you've watched what about film that you grind mm. the tape that you're uh, grinding I, w I wish uh i wish we had film that like like a, a roll of film mm. that we could like put in the mortar and pestle i love that we'll do that for a bit i think eventually let's get to the written mailbags quinn thanks again make sure you go to speakpipe.com.com slash tailgate to leave your voicemails there's a ton in there but key lime fred j money john from baltimore those are some great names great names will get you there you know it's about like it's kind of like a resume right the way they come in on the email it's like who's it from if you got a pretty good name, I'll probably click into it, probably listen to it for a little bit. Don't be, um, you know, don't skip on the name there. All right. This is from, speaking of not, spe speaking of not skipping out on the name, this is from IHO Penis <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> I don't know what he's trying to say there. I'm such it's a child. P-E-P-2-E-S-N-U-S. I guess right? I should have clarified. Yeah, not the male reproductive. It's I-E-Y-E-H-O-Penis. 
which is obviously his middle name abbreviation or like um yeah and then penis with two e's giants i wonder if that's eastern european it might be origin it is Giants fan here, I personally believe getting Russell Wilson, assuming he'd even want to come to this dumpster fire, is not only tricky for cap reasons, but for horrible for your use, but a horrible use of resources. The roster is so bereft of talent on offense where I'm not sure where Russ could elevate it. I want to bring Daniel Jones another year. Get younger on both sides of the ball and use draft capital to get blue chip building blocks or load up on 2023 quarterback class. Tell me I'm not an idiot. I don't think he's an idiot. I don't think Penis is an idiot. I think this guy, go if Russell Wilson goes to the Giants, it would be a disaster. Like, the Giants roster is objectively worse than what Seattle's throwing out right now. Like, I think the Giants would be smart to keep Judge, keep Daniel Jones, continue to try and build up whatever that nucleus is, and with young talent in the trenches and at, and at valuable positions, and wait until you have an opportunity in the 2023 draft, and ideally more cap space. People forget they're bottom five in cap space, bro. Like, bottom five next year and how much money they can spend for agency. Like, you kind of almost have to keep the lights on, hope Daniel Jones has this unbelievable fourth-year leap or whatever, and Judge turns into a good into a good coach. But I don't think throwing the kitchen sink at Russell Wilson makes a ton of sense. So here's the thing, though. A quarterback is not just a three-year, you know, the next couple years for a franchise. That's five more years, six more years. And it's like, yeah, you got to undo kind of the sins of the past in 2022. You got to reset the table and clean up a lot of stuff. But I mean, just look at the Seahawks roster in 2020. It wasn't good. It straight up wasn't good, but you have a top five quarterback like that. That makes your roster look a lot better in a lot of different ways. So yeah, it probably is probably not going to change your fortunes overnight. But like I said, if you have Russell Wilson there, that is for the next five or six years. So if you can get a guy like that, you do, in my opinion. On to the next question here. This is from Brian Kelly's accent, which while we're on the topic, this guy's on Apple Podcasts. Did you see the video of him saying, like, I messed up family on my accent? He's like, I'm from Boston. It's hard to keep consistent. Like, no fucking dude. No, that that was trash. Okay, that was trash. You tried he was making to- a joke. No, he was he was never watched Brian Kelly Presser. That was him self-deprecating. Was it really? His attempt at self-deprecation. Yes. It was he's bad. Ba- he's bad at sarcasm. He was bad at a lot of things. Um how would you value Jackson Smith and Jigba, the Ohio State wide receiver, and LSU's Kayshawn Boutte in this wide receiver class? This might be blasphemous after, obviously, the Rose Bowl and 350-whatever-and-so yards. I, I think Gary Wilson and Olave are better prospects than in Jigba. Really? Now, obviously, he's only a sophomore. He's got another year in his belt to perform. But, like... I don't see, I I don't think he's the athlete either of those guys are. I I don't know. I I think he's very clean route runner. I think he has very sure hands. I I just don't know if he's the true separator. Like he plays in the slot and a lot of the stuff he does there is like the schemed up targets. I don't know. I just, it will be interesting to see next year. Obviously, he has another year. And like to do what he's doing sophomore, it's always different. But I, I like between him and Boutte right now, like I'd rather have Kishon. Like he, that guy is to me the more explosive prospect, the more sudden pro, sudden wide receiver. I think just better with the ball in his hands. So give me, I think Boutte right now would be like a first round type of guy. Jack Smith and Jigbo probably second. I don't think that's I don't think that's blasphemous. I think some people yeah. are obviously really excited about Jackson Smith to Jigbo. Young everyone's excited about young players, right? I mean that's that's I mean that's literally NFL and college football. I think I'm most interested in seeing the Jigba on the outside next year because he's played so much in the slot. This year you think he led all of 
of the FBS in yards per run from the slot. I think seeing him on the outside next year is going to be really evident of that. You know, can you see this explosiveness step up? Can you see the separation step up when you are going against the big dogs on the outside? And uh, I will also say this guy at LSU, freshman Deion Smith, who I'm excited to watch. I thought he was really good on tape this year. Let's go. Give him the bonus. This is next one's from Gavin Dale. How does this year's QB class stack up? To the past few years, I worry the top guys will be overdrafted. P.S. You keep saying down bad, but I don't think you're using it correctly. Are we using it bad? Do we not know how to use down bad? My understanding of down bad is like a guy that's just in a bad place, right? Like, I mean, I know it's often associated with like a guy that's like really chasing horny. a chick and yeah, horny, but like she's turning him down. But I think you can also be down bad in those situations. Both. I think it's also like a. I also use it in a like when you can tell a guy's in a I'm not owned, I'm not owned situation. Yeah. You know, a guy's down bad when like he's like doubling down on some like terrible takes. My Quinn, I just noticed this on the fucking thing. Why is listener mailbag spelled like that? Because I'm limited listener. on space. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know. Do you, is that really? Mailbag looks longer. Oh, shit. I did misspell listener. <laughs> 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 All right, I'll fix that for next week. You should still submit a question, though. Oh, that's funny. That's you, got, you spelled it right. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I was looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, no, I, I didn't realize. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's my B. Uh, so I never really look at the TV because, obviously, Mike and I are usually looking this way. Yeah. But that is uh, – Can I say something real quick, though? Do you know, like, so, mm -hmm. you know those, uh, like, that Twitter account, like, Drunk ESPN or whatever, where they always, like, tweet seen. out, like, the misspellings? So, I, I don't know if it's around anymore, but they, like, tweet out, like – a graphic that like ESPN misspells. Oh, I hate that shit. Cause like you, those dudes are making like, those dudes are typing thousands of words, thousands of letters a day. Case yeah. in point. Uh, so, <laughs> Hey, back off before you see a misspelling <laughs> on the screen. Honestly, I think that's fair. Back off. I, I, Not you guys. Yeah. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. in general. No, I agree. I think yeah, too I many... fucked up on the listener. That was that's that's not a good look. I'll, too, it'll get fixed. Too many, too many people get way too riled up about, um, typos on like shit like especially that. around here because like people always misspell cincinnati oh yeah like, you see it a lot with two t's and everybody's like bro that's like not what you it's like dude come on like that's probably some like intern that's made a million graphics and like it just doesn't care anymore you know what i mean like just just yeah. calm down calm gotcha. the fuck down if you're listening uh to the podcast you obviously don't see this but if you watch on youtube you can see listener there on the mailbag yeah, my b this is from uh this is from galvin dale well we kind yeah. of got off on the tangent on down bad but so the quarterback class quarterback class he's his question was how does this year's quarterback class stack up to the past few years i worry the guys will get overdrafted so i've been this week for the draft guide it's been my quarterback week i've been watching a ton of them Ooh. trying to i've been trying to like trying to talk myself in and honestly i feel like i'm like coming off some of these guys at the top like kenny pickett i just it's talented like they're that's the i think that's the thing about this quarterback class is that they're all talented in terms of like physically like, no one looks like Mac Jones, the, any of the guys we're talking about. They all can probably sling it, you know, s damn near 70 yards. Like, these guys all have arms, all can move. Like, they all have something about them to fall in love with. And that's why, to the point of the question, I, I do think a lot of these guys will be overdrafted because you can talk yourself into the tools that these guys have. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, man, the consistency of the quarterback play and just like some of – Pickett is the one specifically who I just like – was wanting to talk himself and he graded so well and like graded so consistently. But like, I think a lot of the things he does just are not necessarily NFL translatable. So the guy who I really saw and who I watched a lot of this week that I was kind of like, eh, like maybe is Carson strong Nevada quarterback. Cause like 
he was just their offense. It's just him dropping back five wide and Romeo get the ball where it needs to go. And so like in that perspective, he's had, so he's had that he had the most on his shoulders of all these guys to have to do with quarterback position. I'm intrigued about that as great arm, whatever, but the dude is the definition of a statue also has like a bum knee already. That could be an issue for him. So yeah, this quarterback class is going to take some talking into at the top and likely will be overdrafted. Um, I also am so stoked that like this quarterback discussion is going to be fucking rampant at the senior bowl. We're going to be down. And to the yes, that they, will be big. They have for five the of the six top quarterbacks. Sam Howell just got announced. I think last night that he's going to the senior mm-hmm. bowl. So Matt Corral, who is currently PFF's QB one, the Ole Miss quarterback who got hurt in the bowl game. And I don't know how significant that injury was, but five, only of the six, left out. huh? He's the only guy left out. The yeah, he's only five of the six quarterbacks are going to the senior bowl. So that conversation, that we'll be down there. Make sure you're listening to tailgate. Then that's going to be quite the treat while we're down there. I'm excited for that. The, the conversation, the rumor mill, we haven't been to a senior bowl since 2020, right? 2020 pre COVID. Uh, we didn't go mm-hmm. last year, obviously with COVID implications this year, Brenner's getting it out of the way. So <laughs> it should be in a good place. All right. This is from Mitchell A. Gibson. On Apple Podcasts. Since Goff has been back from injury, he's looked great. Uh-oh. This is not our other lane. <laughs> Do you think at all it took was time in the scheme in addition of Josh Reynolds? No. For This is incredible. Time in the scheme and the addition of Josh Reynolds for Goff to show that he can be a competent quarterback. What happens when he gets real wide receivers? We have a great offensive line already. Do you think we should build up the defense and skill position and let him rock? I'll say this. And I said this when we answered the last like Dan Campbell thing. Give him another year. You're paying him so much money. Like, you're paying him too much money to punt on him unless you bring in a quarterback from this rookie class or you add someone in free agency that you want him to compete with and he wins out in camp. But, like, don't be afraid, in my opinion, to give Goff another year and earn another top five pick. You know, like, the Lions with Goff, again, will earn another top five pick in 2022 and put themselves in a position for a Stroud, a Young, or one of these, what already looks like a better quarterback class in 2023. So I'm not worried about giving Goff another year, but don't start to talk yourself into it once Josh Reynolds and time in the scheme goes to to put any long-term implications or long-term aspirations for Goff in Detroit. Yes. Um it's it's kind of like reading this is kind of funny it's like what can he be when he has competent wide receivers you know what can he be when he has a good play caller it's like dude two years ago in los angeles yeah, know, yeah like, exactly we saw it we saw it with competent wide receivers we saw it actually i don't think you even mentioned play caller, but like we saw golf with that and it mm-hmm. was just you know not quite enough so this is from Jamison Schumacher on Apple Podcast. Chargers rip my heart out every year, but I don't care. Draft day is my favorite day, and if you could rattle off a dream, seven-round mock for the Chargers, that'd be great. Nice. Uh, and for the love of God, no, no, no Jordan Oxygen Mask Davis. Why is that his nickname? Oh, because he needs oxygen because he doesn't play any snaps? I like that. That Let's, one was pretty obvious. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Let's get some speed slash separators for Herbert. A retweet. No, a retweet. I read RT as retweet. A right tackle, some depth at corner, and possibly help on the edge. Rattle off this seven-round mock. All right. So I didn't go wide receiver. I, I don't think, I don't know, Chris Olave could be a fit in the first round, but I think would go a lot longer way. I don't know if that even makes sense. Get a cornerback in this cornerback group. Um Trent McDuffie is the guy I gave them in the first round here. Washington cornerback, one of the best tacklers, great fit for that scheme. Second round, I want a guy to pair opposite Joey Bosa. I went Cameron Thomas, San Diego State, another honestly similarly sized edge, similarly like tooled edge, our Aztecs. He could learn from Joey Bosa. And, and become the next Joey Bosa is what you're saying. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then third round, 
solidify the offensive line, keep investing in the offensive line, can't turn to the Chargers offensive line old. Gave him Max Mitchell, Louisiana. Didn't go full seven-round mock because that's kind of crazy, but there's your three-round mock. I like that. You. Trent McDuffie, I think all, two of these guys are friends of the show. We've been working to get Cameron Thomas on, the San Diego State legend, but McDuffie, uber-athletic, fits right into what they want to do on defense. And Max Mitchell, if you get him in the third – I'm all in on Max Mitchell coming in on the third. I'll let you know right now, Quinn, when we go down to the Senior Bowl, the amount of content we're going to do on San Diego State's Cameron Thomas, I might offer to you know have him stay in the hotel room with us. Honestly, we could do some overnight stuff. Who knows? I think Cameron Thomas and I are going to you know just talk shop, talk San Diego State, all the best spots, all that. So. Oh, you ever been there? It was, it was cool, right? <laughs> Shut yeah. up. Dude, you go on bookstore basketball literally every single time when you bring out a Notre Dame guy. You're like, oh, what, what room are you in or whatever the hell you say. What dorm are you in, I guess, is more common. This is from LikeAB066. Called halls. They're called halls. Shut up. LikeAB066 underscore six. After seeing Trey Smith fall so far because most likely GMs and coaches predicted he'd get ALS or Parkinson's. <laughs> That's an excellent callback. <laughs> That's an excellent Great callback. Call. If you do not listen to the show – you need to go back and listen to that episode where we roasted that guy. I don't remember what episode it was. It's one of the out of context. Episodes. That sounds pretty sinister. But it that does. Was an excellent callback. That was an excellent callback. Quinn, great shout. Um, who are the few interior offensive linemen who may, who who may fall that shouldn't fall? So I haven't haven't gotten a full medical on these guys to see who's at risk for ALS yet. But I will say <laughs> Donovan West, Arizona State offensive lineman. I'm still. He just declared, I believe, two days ago. I'm high on him still. Move from left guard to center this past year. I think he's the blend of athlete slash strength that you want the position. Has the feet, has the balance. Didn't grade out exceptionally this year. Didn't really take a next step, but he's only, I believe, a true junior coming out, declaring early. McDonald West is the guy who probably falls like fourth or fifth round that I would want to draft in that range. Talking to Herm Edwards on the interview we could never play on the podcast because it was right after he got those weird allegations. He raved about Donovan West. Donovan West was like his freaking guy. He thought he was going to have big things going on. I think he's also either going to the Senior Bowl or the East West Shrine. He's at one of those um, bowl games. No, he's junior. He's not. Uh, I don't think he can, oh, really? can go to either. Maybe I'm yeah, wrong. Maybe so. I'm high. Uh, this is from Brocky T. Given a, given a zero to zero score early in one Q, equal to average teams. Oh, and what is a worse event to happen in terms of loss of win percentage? Fumble on your own one-yard line, fumble on your opponent's one-yard line. What the hell is a zero-to-zero score early? Oh, oh, I get what you're saying. You say, okay, you're in a game, right? Given it's zero-zero early in the first quarter, and it's between equal and average teams, so he's giving a game scenario. What is the worst event to happen from a, lo- uh, from a loss of win probability or win percentage? Fumble on your own one-yard line or fumble on your opponent's one-yard line? Do you have a guess? Before, because I did the calculation here. Do you have a guess, Austin, as to what it would be? I think the bigger loss would be a, a fumble on your own one-yard line would be the bigger loss. Yeah, yeah I, I, that was my intuition too. Um, and yeah, it's it's pretty strongly in favor of that. I mean, so obviously though, to, right? Because if you fumble on your yeah. own one-yard line, not only are you preventing the ability to like ever score on that drive, but also you're putting them in a position to yeah. score. <laughs> like, and the, Whereas the other one, you fumble on your own one-yard line, assuming that they down it within there. I mean, there is a very low percentage chance that they go the full 99 yards and this other percentage chance that you get a safety. Yeah, so um, that's the bigger thing. When you're on your own one-yard line, so to give the actual win probabilities here uh, of when it was, I did this with a early, early in the first quarter, I think I put like 14 minutes in the first quarter into this, and then with the score 0-0 with a line of being a pick in this game, the 
if you're on your own one yard line, actually in that scenario, you are less likely to win that game. You are in a worse off situation. Wow. You're at a 48.9 win percentage. If you're on your own one yard line early in the game, if you fumble that, and I assume you get it out, the other team gets at the one yard line. You are now at a 28.5% win percentage. Wow. It drops a lot. Like that is given, given a, a team, the ball with, you know, right away at your own one yard lines, basically giving them seven points is a bad way to start a game. Drops win percentage by a lot. Now, on the other side, if you are at the opponent's one-yard line, if you're about to score, your win percentage is 69.9% early on in the game. You have a distinct chance of winning that game. Pretty it nice only chance. drops to 51.1 because, like I said, you gave the team the ball at the one-yard line, you're still in a good position to win that game. It was It's basically the flip side of you being at your own one-yard line. Now they're at their own one-yard line. So that's only an 18.8% drop. Uh, so it is pretty largely in favor of fumbling on your opponent's one yard line and that you use what pff walsh for that or yes. what, what yeah so pff walsh for those who don't know pff walsh is a tool that pff or pff clients that are nfl and ncaa teams have access to to input those scenarios right like a lot of, like when you hear like the algorithm like what's spitting out like it's a lot of what pff walsh is able to do and take in these situations they can take in spread they can take in opponent strength and all that stuff uh, to factor that in so mike leveraging what teams and ncaa teams are supposed to be using on your free time Lucky you. Uh, this is from Mendo's QM on Apple Podcasts. Who were the biggest snubs in the Pro Bowl? Who would make up the PFF team? So we have the article out on PFF.com. Yeah. Our PFF Pro Bowl team is on PFF.com. If you Google that, you can find it. Go ahead and list off the biggest snubs, though. Biggest snubs for my money. Joe Burrow didn't make it in the AFC. Absolutely. Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson made it. That made no sense. That made that no one sense. That was name recognition. AJ Terrell did not make it in the NFC. That one we hammered home a lot. Uh, Devondre Campbell also did not make it in the NFC. Those were to me the three biggest snubs. Who who was the linebacker that did make it? I don't have actually the list in front of me here. But Denzel it was Perryman just like it. but that was for the AFC. It was just the the basic names and then Michael Parsons. Like Devondre Campbell was has been a dude all year. So that those were the three biggest snubs in my opinion. This is from Andy, the man on Apple Podcast. Can you, one of you guys please explain to me why people seem certain that Desmond Ritter will be a first rounder? Ball placement is a struggle and he's got an average arm. Also, it seemed like every ball he threw against Bama got batted down. Now, not saying it's all on him, but still, I see I see him as a high mid, second at best. I think guys like Howell, Willis, and Strong could go before him. What do you guys think? So his mental processing is very good. It's some of the best in this class. Like he can get gets the ball out of his hands quickly. He know he sets the protections in that offense. He is very good at those things. Now, is it good enough? Is he at the level where it's like, oh yeah, like that's going to overcome middling accuracy and middling, you know, decision making at times? No. So for to me, I that's why we see him in similar range. But it's the tools. He he has average arm. I, I think he's a little bit above average arm, honestly. Like even by NFL standards. He has a good arm. He runs in the four fives. He is a high level athlete and mobile. Like the, he has the things that NFL teams want. And then the pedigree of four years as a starter, like teams look at that as well. So uh, that is why he probably, and it's a shitty quarterback class is also why there you go. I remember watching quarterback tape with Zach Robinson when he was still working at PFF. I think he's now the quarterback's coach for the Rams. Quarterbacks are wide receivers. Wide receivers. Um, and he watched three plays of Desmond Ritter. And Zach Robinson, by the way, one of the fucking smartest people I've ever met. He's very 
brilliant football mind. He watched three plays. He's like, yeah, I would never draft him. Not that good. And like, like I, I don't know. Obviously, his opinion might have changed and stuff, but I, I'll never forget that because that was when Desmond Ritter was like a true freshman or a true sophomore. And like everyone in the University of Cincinnati was super excited about him. It's like two or three years ago. And he watched two or three plays. He's like, yeah, pretty good. I wouldn't draft him. Not an NFL guy. It's like, I don't know what the fuck he sees, but he sees two or three plays. He's like, yeah, this guy doesn't have it, which I think uh, sticks with me, man. I'm, I'm going to hold that guy's opinion. He was also Zach Robinson. We met him at the Combine the year before Justin Jeff the Justin Jefferson class. And he looked at me, and we sort of sat down, and I was like, oh, I like this guy, this guy. Um, he's like, Justin Jefferson's the best receiver. And I was like, no, nah, I don't say know. That. Yeah, he did. He did. He's like, I, I was like, oh, no. I was like, I don't know. I like, um, you know, I like CeeDee Lamb. I like uh, Jerry Judy. Have you watched Jerry Judy? He's like, no, dude, Justin Jefferson is the best guy, like 100%. Like, he was not even like, oh, I don't know. I kind of like Justin Jefferson. He's like, no, this is the best receiver in the class. And honestly, fuck, I mean, he has been obviously the best receiver in that class. Probably why he's a wide receivers coach. Man, he might be, that might be yeah. why I'm working at PFF in a yellow, ugly, puke baby sweater, reading listener misspelled. And Zach Robinson's obviously coaching alongside Sean McVay. Uh, this is Albin Salvatore. Hey, guys, with the Giants having two first-round picks, I'd love to pick a top edge, but this offensive line needs help badly. What would you guys do? I'm leaning Linderbaum, Iki Aquanu slash Kenyon Green of Texas A&M. Go ahead. I think, you know, they'll be in a good position to get either Aquanu or Charles Cross. At that point, you pick one of those two. Yeah. Well, your first first-round pick, whichever, whatever it's going to end up at, it's probably going to be pretty damn high. Or even Evan Neal if he's there. I don't think Evan Neal makes it, but, like, you pick one of those top tackles. You get two tackles. You got a you got an offensive line. Like you can patch together guard center. You got two tackles. You got an offensive line. After that, I think the interesting position to me is if what if what happens if Derek Stingley falls to them? Because I don't know if Joe Judge is going to be there, or whatever. But obviously, Belichick disciple pairing Derek Stingley with James Bradbury would give you a coverage unit. You know, two tackles make an offensive line. Two top 10 corners make a coverage unit. So I do think that that would be, you know, my dream scenario to find the Giants. Now we've kind of been under this sort of stipulation that Derek Stingley ain't making it that far, but dude's barely played football. You know, he's been only played what a game and a half, two games this year that could scare off some teams, especially when you're talking about top five picks. So that would be, if I'm like dream scenario for the Giants, I think it'd be Charles Cross, Derek Stingley. I, I, I think that going in the trenches again, especially with like some of the interior offensive linemen on day two, I think is where I would lean, right? Like you go the first yeah. round, like if you're going to go after Kenyon Green, who I think we have currently projected as a guard, I think that's where he plays in the NFL. And Aquanu like gets to start a tackle, whatever. Like if you're going to go after some of these interior offensive linemen, I do think there are some value picks on day two. And I think that's where they need some of this help, right? I think they could use a Kenyon Green on day two if he does fall that far. Um, some of the other guys come to mind. I'm, Darian Kennard of Kentucky, I think, is one that will be good. Um, but anyway, that's going to do it for this mailbag. Shall we get to trivia? But before we do, I saw something that I thought was freaking fantastic. And I just saw PFF College tweet out that um, Brock Bowers reminds people of Travis Kelsey. Brock Bowers is a true freshman tight end for um, Georgia. I saw someone else say Trey McBride reminds them of Travis Kelsey. <laughs> and where are you at on some of these Travis Kelsey comments? They're all white. Is that is that is white. that the driver? What is going on here, dude? Uh, the high end comps. I mean, like Travis Kelsey. I want to know what the comps were for Travis Kelsey coming out. Obviously, mm -hmm. that was before my time as PFF draft analyst. Before we even graded college, who was Travis Kelsey getting comps for? Because like, there really was no Travis Kelsey before Travis Kelsey. I, I don't know. I just. You can't just say every athletic dude's going to be Travis Kelsey. So, and like, 
Kelsey's beauty isn't even like his athleticism. I don't know. Yeah. Like Can't... Bowers is Bowers is like, what is he? Six, three. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's a different type of tight end at that. Once you're like two inches, you're, it's a big difference. You're more of a, yeah, yeah. It's a more of an H back. I mean, like size wise, I think he's still going to play tight in the NFL, but you're just much different in the type of player you are than at that point. But I, that, I mean, I think Browers is sick as hell, but that first quote was from Kiaris Jackson, by the way, that was the Georgia, that Georgia's the Georgia receiver said, he reminds me a lot of Travis Kelsey. I don't know who the, I saw somewhere that Trey it's just Mc, good. Yeah. Trey McBride reminded people of Travis Kelsey, whatever it is. Um, let's get to the, uh, the trivia segment. All right, let's do it. Perk daddy. Oh, my king. Two. Perk Angel, Key Lime Fred, and Money – I don't remember what his name was. Real Money J, 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 J Money, Money John. J Money John are, are three right now big fans of the pod. Also um, – I-H-O Penis. Oh, I-H-O Penis is obviously – Paul in Nashville had a great accent. Too. I did like that. I thought it was a joke at first because, like, some of those guys were getting on – That was definitely a joke, no? I don't know. He's from Nashville. That was a little thick. It Nashville. was a little thick. It was a little thick. Go ahead with the uh, trivia. All right, first one. This year's national championship is a rematch of the 2017 game. I love the effort, Perk. In the subsequent 2018 draft, seven players from Georgia or Alabama were taken in the first round. Name them. Oh, shit. 2018 draft? 2018 draft. My brain is off right now. 2018 draft class is the... Baker. Baker Mayfield class. So... Bama, Georgia, that year. The Billy Price class. That had Sony Michelle. Nice. That's one, one of them. them. Yep. Uh, Isaiah Wynn was one of them. Yes, sir. You had. Fuck. Oh, was that? No, I don't think it was. I'm trying to. This guy's in, guy's in year four, so that would be. Bama. Georgia. Oh, um, linebacker. Uh, Roquan Smith. Yeah, Roquan Smith. Roquan, you got it. He was the highest one. And there's one more. There's there's four more. Four more. (laughs) Um, I remember, like, working on the social media team for that one, and there was a ton. I mean, was was Jonathan Allen that year, or was he the year before? Uh, He he was was not this year, so he had to be the year before. Okay, he was the year before. Man. Uh, OJ Howard. Bama receivers. No, not OJ Howard. Oh, OJ Howard's year before, too. What about the Bama receivers? There's a receiver right here, right? Yes. Who is it? Um, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. Oh, gosh. Why am I so bad? Linebacker, <laughs> uh, D line, and safety. Rashawn Evans. Yes. D-line and safety. Oh, uh, Xavier McKinney. No. Oh. That was a terrible. <laughs> well, it was last year. Even further the hit. Round. So he's a safety now. <laughs> but he, <laughs> that was last year. But he, he wasn't always a safety. He wasn't always oh, a safety. Sorry. So he was a corner. Was that supposed to be? Wasn't always a safety. I don't fucking know. What was it, Quinn? Minka. 
Oh, Minka. Did, wasn't he like a slot Patrick. corner? Didn't he kind of line up all yeah. over the place like he wasn't a true? Yeah, he was, he was a slot corner in Alabama. Uh, and and then, then there's a linebacker. Or wait, no, D-line. D-line, then, yeah. Interior. I'm going to get the D-line. Interior. Who was it from? Was it Bama or Georgia? Uh, Bama. Bama, D-line. There's just so many fucking Bama D-line. Uh, Jerron Payne. Yep. Nice. There you go. That was a tough one Before for he was getting... Wait, did he get punched or did he throw the punch? He threw the punch. He yeah. the punch. No, no, he, he got, got punched. punched. He got punched. Jonathan Allen threw that big ass mitt. That was gonna be. Oh, dude, once I said Jonathan Allen, shit, I should have known Drompin. They're back to figures. Idiot. All right. I said Xavier McKinney's. So there's not a lot to say. Here. Yeah. Next one. Uh, also from Park. This season, AJ Green became the second Georgia wide receiver to reach 10,000 career receiving yards. Who was the first? Dude. I have no idea. Georgia wide receivers. AJ Fuck. Jenkins. Just kidding. Um, Give you a hint. It's my least favorite football player of all time. Wow. So it's going to be like a Steeler, or is it a Steeler or Raven? Heinz uh, Ward. Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward went to Georgia. I didn't go. know that, actually. Yeah. He was a, a quarterback, wasn't he? Quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there you go. All right. Yeah. Least favorite football player of all time. That's a good hint. The all right, last that was one. also the player that your mom got that when we were hanging out with your mom. Oh my god, do we ever tell that story? I don't about know. How we were doing we trivia did. with your mom and your dad, and there was yes. a question. I think it was one of like non-US. So there have been two, two Super Bowl MVPs that weren't born in the US, and one of them was the quarterback from a long time ago. Yeah. And then we're blanking on the other. You just had to name one, right? I think. You oh, you just had to name one. Yeah. And then your mom said Blanket. Heinz Ward, and we're like, Fuck, my mom said Heinz Ward. We're like, yeah, yeah. my that's mom got I it. asked her to marry me. Go ahead, Quinn. All right, last one. The last time there wasn't an Alabama or Georgia player taken in the first round was 2008. The first four picks that year were held by the Dolphins, Rams, Falcons, and Raiders. Who did those teams take? Uh, Dolphins took Jake Long. Jake Long. Jake Long. Rams yep. took Greg Robinson. Chris Long. Chris Long. Chris no, Long. Chris Long. Who are the other two? Falcons. Falcons. Matt Ryan. Yeah, Falcons and Raiders. Yeah, Matt Raiders Ryan. took Matt Dar- Ryan. Darren McFadden. And then Darren McFadden. Yep, you guys cleaned up on that one. Darren McFadden year, baby. I thought we were going to the bowl. I, I, Darren McFadden in Arkansas. That tape was hot. That tape was hot. They had Peyton Hillis, Felix Jones, Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden was easily the best running back of all of them, and it was fucking lit. I thought they were going to go to the bowl. We had we had Jamarcus Russell. We had Darren McFadden. The following year, 2009, we got Darius Hayward Bay. That was the trio. That was the trifecta. It did not pan out. But I thought we were going to so Darius. fast though, so much speed. There was a lot of speed. Great blocker, Darius Hayward Bay. <laughs> I mean, he was. A- oh, also, did you guys see the Zach Taylor quote about Jamar Chase today? What was it? He said, nah. uh, "Somebody asked him like, of all the things that Jamar's done this year, like, what is your favorite?" He said, "Blocking." Wow. The block. Zach Taylor is a yeah. football guy, huh? That's a big time football guy. That's what every coach has to say. Yeah. No, they effort. Don't. They don't. Yeah, you could say like, they "Oh, don't. made that time when he went for two sixty six and three to." <laughs> Situation, but <laughs> or like something that, that was more, like contested catchability or something. I don't. All right, do you guys want to do these Wonderlick questions? Yeah, let's how, do it. Uh, let's do it quickly. Okay. If the first one goes bad, we'll scrap. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, these are isn't the Wonderlick normally multiple choice? Yeah. Okay, so I'll cut you guys some slack. No, we're not worrying about fifteen second time limit. Okay. Uh, film plays six times on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Nine times on Tuesdays and Thursdays and 10 times on Saturdays and Sundays. Altogether, the film plays how many times? 56. 54. Oh, I thought 56. It's 56. 
Oh fuck! What is it? Idiot! 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 Okay. Uh, counting from one. I must to... have misheard the Zoom. So yeah, I yeah. No, it's definitely the bad. COVID. I think it was the COVID. <laughs> I told you you'd be fucked on these questions. That was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, counting from one to one hundred, how many sixes will you encounter? Oh my god! Uh, uh, nine. Ten. Negative. Sixes. Oh no! You got you got like, nineteen. Oh shit! <laughs> is it twenty? It's twenty. That one really okay, got 20, me. twenty. It's twenty. I'm uh, an idiot. Last one. The day after tomorrow will be five days after last <laughs> Friday. What day is it today? Monday. Yeah. Let's fucking go, dude. I'm, go. I'm going to the NFL. Yeah. I'm going to the NFL. If you, if you laugh at the Wonderlick questionnaire, like I'm probably, going to the NFL. They're probably going to drop your draft stock. You think this is a joke? <laughs> it's not a joke. I did ask. Uh, I was I was talking to Jackson. Oh, we got that interview. Jackson Kirkland. I was talking to him after. I think it was during. Uh, you'll get to the interview. I talked to him about the, the wonder, like, and some of the crazy questions you get. He's excited for those. But um, that's going to do it. Let's get to this interview with Jackson Kirkland of Washington. Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Jackson Kirkland, Washington offensive tackle. You are in my neck of the woods, my friend. You're down there in Carlsbad training in, at Exos. I only have only been there for a few days. How's the weather? How much food have you consumed? Mexican food specifically. And I guess, how's that process going? <laughs> it's going great. You know, the weather's been pretty nice. It's treating us well. We got those sunny days, but it's been a little deceiving because you got to remember places still have winter. That's what's <laughs> tough, tough for me to understand because I'm in San Diego and I'm ready to put the cutoffs on, tank tops, flip-flops. But, but now the sun's out, probably 60, 60-ish degrees, and yeah, it's been really nice. And yeah, hopefully we'll try some good food. I'm on a strict diet, so on those cheat days, I'll definitely take advantage of maybe some good Mexican food. <laughs> Yeah, people go to San Diego, right? And they're like, is it going to be 75 every single day I'm there? But it's, you know, it does like, it do, they do experience a winter where like the lows are like 60s or whatever it was. Uh, going yeah. to San Diego State, I don't think I ever had to wear a jacket. Like, I don't, regardless of what time of the year it was, no jacket needed. That's amazing. <clears throat> where I want to start, man, is you're a, you're a top one, you know, top 75 player on PFS draft board, top 50 player in this class <clears throat> when considering positional value. And you're also uniquely positioned to talk about the experience you have going against top edge rushers. You have gone against Aiden Hutchinson, who's a projected number one overall pick. You've gone against Kayvon Thibodeau of Oregon, who's a projected top two number one overall pick as well. Talk about the experience in those two matchups and how much you feel that those matchups specifically prepared you for the NFL. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm extremely thankful for having those big-time matchups in the year because it gave me a taste of what every Sunday is going to be like at the next level. Yeah, going – into our second game of the season at Michigan playing against Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, it was a great venue too. It was a, it was Saturday night prime time. I mean, I've never really, I played Ohio State early on in my career. So it's my second taste of Big Ten football, but I've never been in that environment. And it was, you know, it was, it was electric. And, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I was feeding off all the energy there as a football player. It's something you love, but yeah, going against Aiden, I mean, he's one hell of a football player. And I think we all can understand that. And, you know, he got the best of me on a couple plays, but, you know, I think I also had some plays where I held my own against him. And, you know, I'm thankful for that matchup too because it was the first time really where a player has kind of pushed some of my limits and think and gone against some stuff that's worked extremely well for me. Mm -hmm. And him getting through things on that, I was like, stepping away from that game was tough originally because I hadn't gotten beaten on certain reps like I had before. But I was really – when I really – processed the film and looked at it, you know, and tried to take that pro mindset towards it. I was 
I was like, okay, here's what I did wrong on these plays. And you know what, going forward, I'm going to correct these things. And yeah, like I said, you got to tip your hat to him. I mean, like I said, heck of a football player, but I really got a taste of what it's going to be like from that matchup of what NFL Sunday is going to be like. So I totally, it made me refine my technique and, you know, it had me grinding it back in the weight room. And ever since that, I've been loving to get another opportunity to <laughs> go against him for sure. And I think I'll get that chance in the, in the NFL, but yeah, great matchup. And so many things, I, so many learning lessons I took away from that. And it was really fun just battling a guy like that. Two guys who have passions for the game, two great players. And, you know, what more could you ask for? And, yeah. and then that prepared me for sure. And then I was fortunate enough as well to go against another top two guy with Kayvon Thibodeau. And by that time, I felt like I was extremely ready because by then I had gone against Hutchinson and had a you know, full season under my belt almost because it was in November. And, you know, I attacked that game like a pro in, the, in that week. You know, I broke down his whole film, studied every move that was going to come at me, every, you know, scheme that they had. And I really, you know, tried to master what I could in that week and understand what what kind of moves he's going to give me and what the best shot he's going to give me. And I, you know, really locked in on the film and my technique. And, and I think I, you know, approved when I went up against a guy like Thibodeau. I think all the preparation came, you know, met the, met the stage at that time. Yeah, in a lot of ways, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, prepared you to go against Kayvon Thibodeau. I think that's great that you speak to that. I, let's dig in a little bit more into how your film preparation kind of changed over the course of maybe this past season, having played against Thibodeau, having played against Aiden Hutchinson. You know, what specifically did you look for on film? And you say, you know, you identify all their moves. What was that process like turning on that film? How long does that take, right? Are you taking notes? Are you typing things in Excel? What exactly are you looking for when you do turn on the film? And, and I guess give me the details on that. That, that, that film preparation process oh it takes extremely long and you know my big thing is you know for every every win or every pressure an, an edge rusher gets a pressure sack i'm you know immediately stopping that rewinding it and you know what i'll write down the type of set the tackle took and how it worked for him or obviously did not work for him and what i would do if i, I was in that situation and then overall i, I write that move and what I try to pick up on is through all those wins and pressures and sacks these edge defenders are getting, what moves, what is common here? What move it keeps working for them? Because there's always going to be a trade that they're going to go to. And if they have a move that's going to work for them, they're certainly going to keep pulling it out. Because why wouldn't you? I'd do the same thing if I kept winning off, you know, a speed rush up the field or a quick inside move. If that keeps getting me sacks and I'm, I'm going to keep going at it. You'd be stupid not to. Yeah. Totally. Uh, I want to now dive into a little bit into your training there at Exos, right? Or what goals do you have for yourself there at Exos? And I know everyone says, I want to improve everything. I want to add weight. I want to do all these things. But, like, do you have any specific, you know, uh, drill goals for specific drills? Or do you have any specific weight goals? Like, are you trying to add weight? Are you trying to lose weight? I guess speak to kind of where your head is at down there at Exos and, and kind of what you're prioritizing first and foremost. Yeah, totally. Like you said, I have a huge list of goals. I mean, I, I plan on. <laughs> coming in out of there looking like Schwarzenegger, you know, I love it at the combine and pro day. So, but yeah, certain things, I mean, just overall, just certainly want to get faster and um, bigger, faster, stronger, but yeah. And really on those tests, I, I really just want to improve the speed and quickness and also on the bench too, like show off my upper body strength and put up a good amount of reps, you know, the teams like, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. No, I, I, have you had any opportunities there? I know a lot of prospects, when they do train at places like Exos and other places around the country in preparation for the draft, you meet a lot of players also entering the draft. How has how have some of those relationships started? And I guess how, how, how exciting has that been? Oh, it's been great. You know, it's cool. I think we have over like 20 guys there. So mm-hmm. it's really cool to, you know, talk to other dudes and see how, see how they do things at their university or – or maybe a certain guy you played against and you, you know, you don't like that guy or you're talking some trash to him. But then you, once you shake his hand, you realize he's just a normal dude like you. And there's, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. But I mean, definitely when you're strapping the pads on, it's, there's no friends out there. But, you know, it's been really cool to make some new friends down here. And it creates a cool, there's a different kind of energy too, because all mm-hmm. of us are competitive guys and trying to work towards the next level. So, I mean, we're all trying to outwork each other each day and it's fun to watch. Yeah, the lifting energy must be crazy because everyone now is like seeing how much each other is lifting for like the first time. These like prospects at the same position and all that stuff. I remember a few years ago, people talked about just like the competitive energy in that weight room is kind of at next level. So that's got to be pretty freaking awesome. Do you have any like friends or mentors that are currently in the NFL that you, you know, have leaned on a little bit in this early process, this pre-draft process to get some ideas from? I mean, obviously UW has sent a ton of players of late to the NFL. Are there any guys that you kind of reach out to and say like you know ask questions or, or still talk to about this process specifically yeah totally and i'm definitely gonna keep reaching out more and more as i you know keep learning things but a guy that i was really close to at uw and now he plays for the cleveland browns is uh nick harris he was a, he's a center guard for the cleveland browns and you know, certainly through the whole agent process and trying to figure out training all that i mean i was talking to him leaning on him for that whole whole bit so that's a guy i definitely you know talk to and he gives me you know good insight on these things as i move forward that's uh that's uh, nick harris too went to i think the senior bowl and dominated there as well i can't remember if you've already accepted an invite to one of the all-star bowls or what's your plan there yeah i'm uh, going to the east west shrine game mm-hmm. right now so yeah i'm looking awesome. forward to getting down to vegas and knock some people around yeah, how much are, you know, I think the big thing at those All-Star Bowls, right, East-West Shrine and the Senior Bowl is prioritizing, obviously, the one-on-ones. You know, I talk to a lot of offensive linemen who are like, man, you make your money in the one-on-ones, and that's where a lot of the coaches pay attention to. How excited are you for those, right? And I guess, you know, it, your experience in practice in one-on-ones, how have you fared at UW? Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think that my pass blocking is one of the best traits. I got extremely long arms. I can keep people off me, so I'm, I'm excited to showcase that there and with my – you know, lateral agility from side to side, or, you know, I really feel like I can thrive in that drill. Yeah. I mean, I think the one-on-ones in the p- previous years that I've seen with all-star bowls and stuff, it's definitely been like an opportunity where you got, you see guys like Quinn Miners, right. That uh, interior offensive lineman from Wisconsin Whitewater, he dominates the one-on-ones and really ascends draft stock. You've seen other tap. Ben Barch is another example that's had a lot mm-hmm. of success in previous year. I remember, um, you know, this previous year you have, you know, Dylan Radins of, um, North Dakota State also having success. So preparing for those is going to be an awesome experience for sure. Um, as you kind of look past that and, and approach the combine, right, do you have – what expectations do you have yourself there? You're one of the more athletic offensive tackles with a unique build, six foot seven, three ten. Is that where you really feel like show, you're going to show out and show people where, you know, these athletic testing is really going to show up? Yeah, totally. I, mean, I can't wait to wow teams there, not only with the testing and all that, but, I, you know, I think I have – a unique build too. I think I hold my weight extremely well at being at 315. I, and I think I can go up too. So I think there's more to pack on there, but yeah, just showcase that. And, you know, 
all these positional work too. I think teams will really see, you know, how, how athletic I am from side to side and, you know, bending in my stance. And I think I can, you know, I think I can play like a lot lower than six foot seven. And I think I can move a lot better than a six, seven, three fifteen guy. Another hectic part of this pre-draft process that I'm sure you've talked to your agent about and others in, at Exos is the is the interview process, right? You're going to do a lot of these types of things where you're talking to people like me, but also you're going to do a lot of things where you're on Zoom calls with teams and at the Combine and at the East-West Shrine Bowl meeting with teams and all that stuff. How much have you prepared for that? And I guess what are your expectations going into that, right? You're going to be picked and prod and all that stuff, staring contests, all these crazy things. <laughs> I guess um, how much have you prepared for that? And I guess what are you looking forward to in that process? Yeah, they set us up with some great interview coaches here so we got some solid interview training going but overall i'm just gonna be myself you know i'm not gonna try mm -hmm. to be someone who i'm not and you know i can't wait to look teams you know face to face eye to eye and be professional you know shake their hands all that but yeah i'm looking forward to the interviews just because you know you know bring it on i don't want to see you know what kind of stuff they'll you know try to get to push my buttons or or just also honestly talk ball which i love so yeah. it shouldn't be too hard to talk about something i love from the experience I've had, I feel like the most common questions are, you know, specific football questions. You know, what were you asked to do on this play? What would you have done differently? Things like that where you're turning on the tape and going through it. And I think a lot of players kind of meet that with ease. But I think also the most common question is how much do you love football? And, like, how you answer that question is, like, so, like, is so analyzed by teams and stuff. Have you given any? I don't want to. I don't want you to give your answer yet. You know, you take your time. Yeah. Figure out. You know, some people are like football's my life, and like they go all these things. But like, think about what you want to do with the how much you love football, because I know that one comes um, pretty hot and heavy. We could close with this, Jackson. I really appreciate the time. Speak to. I think this is another common question. Just the type of player that an NFL team is getting in Jackson Kirtland, right? What do you bring differently to the other offensive tackles in this class? And I guess you know what specific are your strengths that you know you're bringing to the NFL. Yeah, you know, I think I'm extremely versatile. That being, I, you know, I have a solid two years of tape at right guard, and I truly believe if you, if a team had to throw me in guard, that I'm ready to go. But also, I believe I'm a tackle at the next level. I say the guard thing just because mm -hmm. if a team asks me to do it, then for sure. And as an old lineman, you're extremely valuable being able to play two positions. So the versatility factor for sure. But, you know, teams are also getting an extremely passionate guy who loves the game. And a guy that wants to go out there and literally, you know, destroy a D lineman's day and throw him on the ground and get on top of him, you know, make it the worst day for that defense. So an extremely physical football player too. But also, I haven't even, you know, reached my full potential in my game. I really think we're just unfolding on what I can do. So it's going to be an exciting next couple of years as my NFL journey goes because I haven't even touched the surface of what type of player I can be. And it's going to be, pretty awesome to see so again an extremely versatile player and a long six seven three fifteen and a passionate physical player who wants to get after people and impose their will on opposing defenses fantastic stuff jackson really appreciate the time and i wish you the best of luck moving forward all right thank you and we are out. Our first COVID recording. This is the first time I think we've ever recorded with you having COVID. Maybe or when you had COVID last time, maybe we did record then too. Who knows? But uh, no, I, got, I got replaced. You dumped me the curve so easily. That's for right. Trash. That's right. That was when he gave his um, Keaton Slovis number one overall. That's take. right. Well, you, you you would have kept the podcast from the Keaton Slovis number one overall take. I mean, that I'm was glad great. I was. I'm glad I got COVID. <laughs> Very. Um, glad. 
maybe we'll get you back in studio. You're going to the national championship on Monday. We'll we get you back in studio after Monday then, or maybe who knows? We'll, we'll see do it Monday. depending on where you're at. But um, until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Mike Quinn, tailgate.